0: The Mercury Theatre, on the air. The Columbia Broadcasting System takes pleasure in bringing you the 12th in its series of weekly broadcasts featuring Orson Welles, and the Mercury Theatre on the air. Tonight, Broadway's and radio's most celebrated theatrical producing company brings to life the best-loved character in detective fiction, the immortal Sherlock Holmes. The play is Orson Welles' own adaptation for radio of William and enduring melodrama based on the famous stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Before the performance begins, here is the director of the Mercury Theatre, the star and producer of these unique broadcasts, Orson Welles. Good evening. Well, tonight it's back to Baker Street. Back to that unlikely London of the 19th century where high adventure awaits all who would seek it, in a handsome cab or under a gas lamp in an Inverness Cape. For tonight we pay tribute to the most wonderful member of that most wonderful world, a gentleman who never lived and who will never die. There are only a few of them, these permanent profiles everlasting silhouettes on the edge of the world. There is first the little hunchback with a slapstick whose hooked nose is shaped like his cap. There is now and always will be the penguin-footed hobo in the derby and the baggy pants, and the small boy with a wooden head, and the long, rusty knight on horseback, and the fat knight who could only procure a charge on foot. There is also the tall gentleman with a hawk's face, and the underslung pipe, the and aft cap. We'd know them anywhere and call them easily by name. Punch and the Charlies. Chaplin and McCarthy. Quixote, Sir John, and Sherlock Holmes. Now, irrelevant as this may seem, we of the Mercury Theatre are very much occupied these days with rehearsals for a revival of a fine old American farce. A lot of you will remember, if only for its lovely title, which is Too Much Johnson. Its author was William Gillette, which reminded us, as it reminds you, of Sherlock Holmes. As everybody knows, that celebrated American inventor of underacting lent his considerable gifts as a playwright to the indestructible legend of the Conan Doyle detective and produced the play which is as much a part of the Holmes literature as any of Sir Arthur's own romances. And, as nobody will ever forget, he gave his face to him. For William Gillette was the aquiline and actual embodiment of Holmes himself. It is too little to say that William Gillette resembled Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes looks exactly like William Gillette. Sounds like him too, we're afraid, and... ...hope devoutly that the Mercury Theatre and the radio will take none of the glamour from the beloved fable of Baker Street. From the pipe and the violin and the hideous purple dressing gown. From the needle... And the cigar on the window ledge. And the dry, final, famous lines. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. The mere child's play of deduction. My name is Watson. I am a doctor. It was in the year 1880 that Holmes and I were introduced by a mutual acquaintance. At the time we were both looking for a lodging that would suit our moderate means. This we found on the second floor of a house at 221B Baker Street. And it was during the years that we occupied these chambers together that Holmes established his unique international reputation as a consulting detective. During that, I modest share and give an account of some of his most famous cases. Most famous of these are the ones of which I have written under the names of the speckled band, Hound of the Baskervilles, and a study in Scarlet. They represent, however, only a minute fraction of the 643 cases Holmes successfully solved during the years that we shared the lodgings in Baker Street. Other cases I hope one day to give to the world include the Tarleton murders, the sudden death of Cardinal Tusker, the adventure of Ricoletti of the Clubfoot and his abominable wife, the case of Mrs. Ferrentosh, the circus bell, and the case of the royal family of Scandinavia each illustrate in their own way the remarkable genius of my friend, Sherlock Holmes. Since my marriage three years ago, Holmes has continued to occupy the Baker Street lodgings by himself. And here almost every afternoon when my work in the office is finished, I am in the habit of calling on him. The sitting room as you go in is exactly as it has been for the past 13 years. The worn, bearskin rug, the huge sofa covered with faded chintz, a mantelpiece cluttered with miscellaneous objects, unanswered letters, and piles of loose tobacco. On one side of the fireplace, in a deep armchair, his pipe cut dressing gown sits Sherlock Holmes with his violin under his chin. Come in. Oh, what's my dear? How are you, Holmes? I'm delighted to see you. Perfectly delighted. Upon my word, I am. But. Uh... I'm sorry to observe that your wife has left you. (laughs) She has gone on a little visit. But how did you know? How did I? Will I like that. How do I know anything? How do I know you've been getting yourself very wet lately that you're an extremely careless servant girl and you've moved your dressing table to the other side of the room? Holmes, If you had lived a few centuries ago, they'd have burned you alive. Uh, Such a conflagration would have saved me a great deal of trouble and expense. Tell me now, how did you know all that? It's too simple to talk about. Scratches and clumsy cuts, my dear fellow, on the inner side of your shoe there, just where the firelight strikes it. Scratches, cuts. Somebody scraped away crusted mud and did it badly, badly. Scraped the shoe along with it. There's your wet foot, my dear Watson, and your careless servant girl all on one shoe. Face badly shaved on the right side, always used to be on the left. Light must come from the other side. Couldn't very well move your window. Must move the dressing table. (laughs) Of course. But how the deuce did you know my wife was away? Oh, why the deuce is your second waistcoat button, Waston, and what the deuce is yesterday's button here doing in today's hotel, and why the deuce you wear well the expression of it? <laughs> oh, marvelous. Elementary, my dear fellow, elementary, the child's play of production. I'm only doing it for your amusement before we pass on to more serious matters. Oh, what is it now, Waston? Watson, my dear fellow, the enthusiasm which has prompted you to chronicle, and if you will excuse my saying so, somewhat to embellish my little uh, adventures, you occasionally seem fit to introduce a certain element of romance, which struck me as being... Uh, Just a trifle out of place. Something like working an elopement into the fifth proposition of Euclid. I uh, merely refer to this in case you should see fit at some future time to uh, chronicle the case on which I am about to embark. The strange case of Professor Robert Moriarty. Moriarty? I don't remember ever having heard of the fellow. No, Watson, you haven't. It is precisely this quality of invisibility that makes of Professor Moriarty the Napoleon of crime. Sitting... Motionless like an ugly, venomous spider in the center of his web. But that web having a thousand radiations and the spider knowing every quiver of every one of them. And within 48 hours, I'll have the lines drawn so tightly around him that he can't move. And arrest him and his entire gang. My Holmes, this is a very dangerous. My dear, sir, it's perfectly delightful. My whole life is spent in a series of frantic endeavors to escape from the dreary commonplaces of existence. For a brief period, I escaped. You congratulate me. The day before yesterday, I received in this room the visit of a certain foreign nobleman who has recently inherited a very considerable title and who was about to be married. seems that this titled gentleman was so indiscreet as to fall in love with a young English lady by the name of Faulkner, uh, socially inferior, and to make her a promise of marriage. Uh, Later, at his family's insistence, the thing was broken off and the young lady died shortly after with a broken heart, leaving behind a sister, also considerable evidence in the form of letters, photographs, and jewellery with inscriptions. These the sister kept. These, together with the sister, are now being held in a house in St. John's Wood by a pair of blackmailers who go by the name of Chetwood. So far as you see, my dear Watson, a fairly ordinary case of blackmail, hardly worth my attention. Last night, on my inspection, a certain element revealed itself which renders the case far more important than I had expected. And that element was... Professor Moriarty. Come in. Please hey, pardon, Mr. Holmes. Mm, yes, Billy, what is it? Gentleman to see you by the name of Foreman. Show sure, him in, Billy. Come sure, in. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Come in, Mr. Foreman. Mm-hmm. Good evening, Foreman. Good evening, Mr. Holmes. Uh, Watson, this is Inspector Foreman. Just the day before yesterday, he occupies the position of butler under the name of Judson in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Chetwood, uh, blackmailers of St. John's Wood. Well, Foreman, any news? Yes, sir. This morning, a little after nine... Chetwood and his wife drove away in a four-wheeler. They returned about 11. Bassick was with them. You know him, though. Yes. When I last had the occasion to meet Mr. Bassick, he... got two years for safe-cracking. Go on, foreman. Well, they took this man Bassick into the library. I got a look at him from the outside. And there he was opening up the safe where they'd been keeping the letters. Go on. In the end, when they got the safe open, it was empty. Hmm. The letters were gone. It seems like the Faulkner girl got them back somehow. That got them pretty excited... Essek went out to send a telegram. Have you got a copy of it? Yes, yes. Here it is, sir. It's in code. Mm. Moriarty. I thought so, Watson. This case is taking a most promising turn. Foreman, you return at once to the house at St. John's Wood. In ten minutes, I shall be there myself. If I remember correctly, the kitchen is immediately below the drawing room. Yes. When I knock over a chair in the drawing room, you will overturn a lamp in the kitchen scatter smoke balls and give an alarm of fire. All other instructions remain unchanged. Very good, sir. Hurry, right, foreman. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Well, my dear Watson, it begins to look like a most interesting evening. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, my name is Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. Holmes, did you wish to see Mr. Holmes? Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Chetwood. I had myself announced by the butler on my way not up. Class? I didn't... Oh, very well. Oh, here he is. Yes, Miss Faulkner begs Mr. Holmes to excuse her. He is not well enough to see anyone this evening. Uh, will you please hand this card to Miss Faulkner and say that I... I beg your pardon, Mr. Holmes, but it's quite useless, really. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. Yes, Miss Faulkner is, I regret to say, quite an invalid. She is unable to see anyone. Her health is so poor. Uh, has it ever occurred to you, Mr. Chetwood, that she might be confined to the house too much? How does that concern you? It uh, doesn't. I simply make the suggestion. Might like to think it over. Tell about this name. Judson, sir. Uh, Very well, Judson. Go on, take my card up. Very good, sir. <laughs> this is really too good. Why, of course, you can take up your card or your note or whatever it is if you wish it so much. I was only trying to save you the trouble. Yeah, thanks. It's hardly any trouble at all to send up a card. You know, Mr. Holmes, you interest me very much. Oh, really? On oh, my word, yes. We've all heard of your wonderful methods, the astonishing manner in which you gain information from the most trifling details. Now, I dare say, in this brief moment or two, you've discovered any number of things about me. Uh, nothing of consequence, Mr. Chadwin. I i more than ask myself why you were so distressed to see me at this particular moment and what there can possibly be about the safe in the lower part of that desk to cause you such painful anxiety. Yes, very good. Very good indeed. If those things were only true now, I'd be wonderfully impressed. It would be absolutely remarkable. Excuse remod- me, sir. Uh, Judson. A message for you, Mr. Chetwood. You'll excuse me, I trust. It's from, uh, Miss Faulkner. Well, really. She begs to be allowed to see you, Mr. Holmes. She absolutely implores it. Well, I suppose I shall have to give way. Judson, ask Miss Faulkner to come down to the drawing room. Say that Mr. Holmes is waiting to see her. Very good, sir. Quite remarkable upon my soul. May I ask, if it's not an impertinent question, what message you sent up that could so have aroused Miss Faulkner's desire to come down? The uh, is that she wasn't down here in five minutes, I'd go up. Oh, that was it. Uh, quite so. And unless I'm greatly mistaken, I hear the young lady on the stairs. In which case, she has a minute and a half to spare. Alice, uh, it is Miss Faulkner. Let me introduce Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Mr. Holmes. Ah, uh, Miss Faulkner. I'm really most charmed to meet you. Although it does look as if you've made me come down in spite of myself, doesn't it? I uh, Thank you very much indeed for consenting to see me, Miss Faulkner. But regret to observe that you are put to the trouble of making such a very rapid change of dress. Oh, yes. I did hurry a trifle, I confess. Mr. Holmes is quite living up to his reputation, isn't he, Freddy? Come in. Yes, ma'am. What are you doing here, Judson? I beg pardon, ma'am. I was answering the bell. What bell? The drawing room bell, sir. What do you mean, you blockhead? No one rang the bell. I'm quite sure it was rung, sir. Well, I tell you, it did not ring. Your butler is right, Mr. Chetwood. The bell did ring. How do you know? I rang it. What do you want? I'll send my card to the real Miss Faulkner. The real? I said the real Miss Faulkner. Judson. Yes, sir? Oh, um, what right have you to ring for servants and give orders in my house? What right have you to prevent my cards from reaching their destination? And how does it happen that you and this woman are resorting to trickery and deceit to prevent me from seeing Alice Faulkner? Through some trifling oversight, Judson, neither of the cards I handed to him has been delivered kindly see that this error does not occur again. My orders, Ah, sir. you have orders. I can't say, sir. You were I... told not to deliver my card. What business is it of yours I'd like to know? I shall satisfy your curiosity on that point in a very short time, Mr. Chetwood. Yes, and you'll find out in a very short time that it isn't safe to meddle with me. It wouldn't be any trouble at all for me to throw you out into the street. Yeah, possibly not, but trouble would swiftly follow such an experiment on your part. That's a curse lucky thing for you. I'm not armed. Yes, well, Miss Faulkner comes down, you go and arm yourself. Arm myself? I'll call the police. What's more, I'll do it now. Oh, no, you will not do it now. You will remain where you are until the lady I came here to see has entered this room. What makes you so sure of that? Because you will prefer to avoid an investigation of your suspicious conduct, Mr. James Larrabee. Well, I don't that I'm is not... the name under which you are known to Scotland Yard, I believe, Mr. Chetwood? This lady here is your wife. Steve, you, Judson, you will either deliver that card to Miss Faulkner at once or sleep in the police station tonight. That is small consequence to me, What you do? Shall I? Shall I go, sir? Go on. Take up the card. It makes no difference to me. A uh, short time since, Larrabee, you displayed an acute anxiety to leave the room. Pray to not let me detain you or your wife any longer. Take it you prefer to remain while I talk to Miss Faulkner? We do, Mr. Holmes. Ah, last nice, Miss Faulkner. Mr. Holmes? Yes. You wish to see me? Very much indeed, Miss Faulkner, but I'm sorry to see that you are far from well. Oh, no, I... No? beg your pardon. What does this mark mean? Oh, nothing. Nothing? No. And the mark here on your neck, plainly showing the clutch of a man's fingers, does that mean nothing also? occurs to me that I should like to have an explanation of this. Possibly you can furnish one, Mr. Larravelle. How should I, though? It seems to have occurred in your own house. What is it? it is? You'd better understand that it isn't healthy for you or anyone else to interfere with my business. Ah, it is your business. There's that much at least. Play be seated, Miss I don't know who you are, Mr. Holmes, or why you are here. I shall be very glad indeed to explain. My business is this. I've been consulted as to the possibility of obtaining from you certain letters addressed to your sister, which are supposed to be in your possession. I cannot give up my sister's letters, Mr. Holmes. There are other things besides revenge and its punishment. Uh, believe me, Miss Faulkner. There is nothing more to say. Good night, Mr. Holmes. But my dear Miss Faulkner... Oh, I'm so sorry. How clumsy of me to turn over this chair. Fire! Fire! Oh, help, oh, what's help! That? What's, what's that? Help, that? What is the fire in your mind here? don't right. yeah. there! Right. The lamp right. right. The lamp's in the kitchen, sir! It's that right off the table and everything down there is blazing. Quick, sir, come down! Here! <laughs> uh, don't alarm yourself, Miss Faulkner. There is no fire. No fire? The smoke was all arranged for. Arranged for? What does it mean, Mr. Holmes? It means this, Miss Faulkner. It means that I wanted a package of letters, Miss Faulkner, and that by following your eyes just now, when you thought there was a fire, I discovered that you'd hidden them in the upholstery of this chair. Mm. Oh, yes. Quite elementary, as you see. And now that they're in my possession, there seems to be no reason for me to remain any longer in this house. Good night, Miss Faulkner. Yes. Miss Faulkner. Yes. I I can't take them, Miss Faulkner. These letters belong to you. I find that I cannot keep them. Unless you can possibly change your mind and let me have them of your own free will. <laughs> I dispose you could. I'll therefore return them to you and uh Oh, here's our friend Mr. Lennard. They're returning from the fire. Oh. You've got the letters, have you? Now I suppose we're going to see you walk out of the house with oh, her. On the contrary, you're going to see me return them to their rightful owner. Miss Faulkner, here are your letters. If you ever change your mind and be so generous, so forgiving as to wish to return these letters to the one who wrote them, you have my address. Any event rest assured there will be no more cruelty, no more persecution in this house. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. You are perfectly safe with your property, Miss Faulkner, for I shall so arrange it that your faintest cry of distress will be heard. If that cry is heard, it will be very unfortunate for those who are responsible. As for you, Mr. Larrabee, and uh, you, madame... I beg you to understand that you continue your persecution of that young lady at your peril. Hmm. Good night. Miss Faulkner. Come here, Miss Faulkner. Now. Are you going to give me those letters? No, never. Are you going to give me those letters? Oh. Now then. Be careful, Jim. You shut up. Now then, Miss Faulkner. Do you give me those letters or do I break your arm? <laughs> What's that? Someone knocked on the door. No, it was on that side. Did you call, madam? I think someone knocked, Judson. I'll see, madam. I beg pardon, madam, but there's no one at the door. Very well, you may go. He's got us watched. What we want to do is to leave it alone. Let the emperor have it. You mean Professor Moriarty? That's who I mean. Once let him get at it, he'll settle it with Holmes pretty quick. Don't you worry a minute. I tell you, Professor Moriarty will get at him before noon tomorrow night. He won't wait long either. And when he strikes, it means death. disappeared. Disappeared? Sherlock Holmes again. And now this latterly job. He's in on that too. And that's where he's made his mistake. Mr. Holmes is playing rather a dangerous game, magic. Inspector Wilson tried it seven years ago. Wilson is dead. Two years later, Henderson took it up. We haven't heard anything of Henderson lately, eh? Not a thing, sir. Mm, you'll see about that. Miss Holmes is rather a talented man. He doesn't realise there isn't a street in London that'll be safe for him if I display his name to Craig. In. I might even make him a little call myself, just for the satisfaction of it. Just for the satisfaction of it. Baker Street, isn't it? Baker Street, eh? Baker Street, sir. We could make it safe. We could make it absolutely safe. For three streets in every direction. Yes, sir, but we sir. could. He's done it over and over again elsewhere. Police deployed, men in every doorway do this tonight in Baker Street. At Nine o'clock, call his attendants out on one pre or another and keep them out. You understand? I'll see this Sherlock Holmes myself. I'll give him a chance for his life. That's it. Yes, sir. Notify the Lascar that I may require the gas chamber at Stepney tomorrow night and have Craig in there at a quarter before ten with his crew. Uh. Tell Larrabee I shall want him to write a letter to Mr. Sherlock Holmes which I shall dictate. Meet me here at seven. And Bassett, place your men at nine tonight for Sherlock Holmes' house in Baker Street. you still go there yourself, sir? I will still go there myself. at this meeting tomorrow night, sir, to get him in the gas chamber. If I fail to kill him in Baker Street, he'll have him in Swanderm Lane. Either way, I have him, Bassett. Two strings to our poem. Two strings, eh, Bessie? <laughs> that evening, Holmes and I dined together at Scott's and Piccadilly Circus. After dinner, we went to a concert at Queen's Hall. I can still see him on this particular night of the Moriarty case, well knowing that his life was in tarot. Sitting beside me in the stalls, wrapped in the most perfect happiness, listening to Sarasati play the violin, gently waving his long, thin fingers in time to the music. Was over, he rose, put on his long coat, and started with long steps in the direction of the street. Come, my dear Watson, go on to Baker Street. I have an idea that very soon we shall be receiving a uh, most interesting visit. In front of Queen's Hall, we hear the hansom, and as we came down Baker Street, we could see that the light was burning on the second floor of 221B. We went up the dark, narrow stairs. Mr. Holmes. The boy Billy was waiting for us. Mr. Yes? Holmes. What is it? Mrs. Hudson's compliments, sir, and she wants to know if she can see you. Now, uh, where is Mrs. Hudson? Downstairs in the kitchen, sir. Oh, uh, my compliments, and I don't think she can... Where she is. She'll be very sorry, sir. Our regret will be mutual. It was most terrible important, sir. Venus, she wants to know what you'll have for breakfast in the morning. Uh, the same. Same as when, sir? Uh, this morning. But you didn't have nothing, sir. You wasn't here. I won't be here tomorrow. Yes, sir. Was that all, sir? Uh, quite so. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, Mr. Holmes, here's a letter for you, sir, on the table. Delivered ten minutes ago. Mm, well, read it, Watson. That's a good fellow. i put put my dressing yes. up. Yes. Dear sir. Who yeah, does address his name? Why, uh, James Larrabee. And what is James to say this evening? Dear sir. I, uh, hope you won't say that again. <laughs> I have the honor to inform you that Miss Faulkner has changed her mind regarding the letters, etc., which you wish to obtain, and has decided to dispose of them for a monetary consideration. Mm. If you wish to negotiate, will you be at nine o'clock at the Guard's Monument at the foot of Waterloo Place? you will see a 4 feeder with wooden shutters to the windows. If you have the cab followed or try any other underhand trick, you won't get what you want. Let me know your decisions. Yours truly, James Larrabee. Mm, Mine truly. Well, later, perhaps. What does the fellow mean? The fellow means to sell me a base imitation for a large sum of money of certain letters that he does not possess. I shall probably buy them from him. Now, if I have the points. Tonight, seven o'clock, guards monument, cab with wooden shutters, no one to come with me. I don't want to follow or I don't get what I want. That's right. right. Ah. But uh, this cab with the wooden shutters? merely mm, a little device to keep me from seeing where they're taking me. Billy. Yes, sir? Uh, give this to the man. It a uh... woman, sir. Oh, young or old? Looks quite young, sir. You're handsome? Four-wheeler, sir. Have mm. you uh, seen the driver before? Yes, sir. But I can't think where. Uh, hand this to the lady. Apologise for delay and look at the driver again. Yes, sir. Not my dear Holmes, you didn't say you would go. But I certainly did. So this fellow means mischief. This fellow means the same. A big pardon, sir. A message come over from the chemist on the corner to say a man has been hit by a bus. Looks like his legs broke. And would Doctor Watson kindly step over and help till the ambulance? Oh, you comes. certainly are at once. I'll be back in a minute, sir. Or... Billy. Uh, yes, sir. Who brought that message? Boy from the chemist, sir. Uh, yes, of course. But which boy? Must have been a new one, sir. I ain't seen him before. Billy, get downstairs quickly. Look after the doctor. the boy's gone, there's a man with him. It means mischief. Let me know. Don't stop to come up. Ring the doorbell. I'll hear it. Ring it loud. Yes, sir. The ...finger-loaded firearms in the pocket of one's dressing gown. I give you my word, Professor Moriarty. You'll be taken from here to the hospital if you keep your hand behind you like that. Oh, that's better. Hmm. In that case, please put your revolver on the table. You evidently don't know me. I think it's quite evident that I do. I'll have a chair, Professor. I can spare you five minutes. That to say? Uh, careful. What are you about to do, Professor Moriarty? Look at my watch. I'll tell you when your five minutes is up. Is your intention to pursue this case against me? Uh, that is my intention. To the very end. I regret this. I share your regret, Professor. But you think that I would be here if I hadn't made the streets quite safe in every respect? I could never so grossly overestimate your courage as that, Professor, as You imagine that your friend the doctor and your boy Billy will soon return? What? So, it leaves us quite alone, doesn't it, sir? <laughs> quite alone. So that we can talk the matter over quietly, Mr. Holmes, and not be disturbed. In the first place, I wish to call your attention to a few memoranda which I've down. Which you will find that... Well, there they are. A cart! Don't do that! Hands down, quickly! You're farther away from that memorandum book you're talking about. I was merely uh, about to take out a small notebook. Well, merely don't do it. I don't want it. I've got one of my own. If you want it, we'll have someone get it for you. I always like to save my guests unnecessary trouble. I observe that your boy doesn't answer the devil. Mm, no, but I have an idea that he will before long. It may possibly be longer than you think, Mr. Holmes. What? That boy. Yes, that boy. Well, at least we'll try the bell once more, Professor. Doesn't it occur to you that he may possibly have been detained, Mr. Holmes? It does, Professor. But it also occurs to me that you're in very much the same predicament, Professor Moriarty. I beg pardon, sir. Someone tried to hold me, sir. It's quite evident, however, that he failed to do so. Yes, sir. He's got my coat, sir, but he ain't got me. Shall Yes, sir. Billy, the gentleman I am carefully pointing out to you with his forty-five desires to have us gather something of his left hand inside coat pocket. If he's not feeling quite himself today and the consequence of his trying to do it himself might prove fatal, I suggest you attend to it for him. Yes, sir. If this is, sir, this gun? Uh, quite so. Quite so. Put it on the table. Uh, not there, Billy. On this table. Where I can reach it. More like it. That's all, Billy. Then I'll see if he's got another, sir. <laughs> Why, Billy, you surprised me. The the gentleman's taken the trouble to inform us he hasn't. When, sir? When he made a snatch for this one. And now, Professor, now that we have your little memorandum book, you think of anything else you'd like before Billy goes? Any little thing you've got that you don't want? <laughs> so sorry. It's all Billy. Thank you, sir. Listen, Holmes, oh, Mister me. On the 4th of January, you crossed my path. On the 23rd, you incommoded me. And now, at the close of April... I find myself placed in such a position through your continual interference that I'm in positive danger of losing my liberty. Mm. Are there any suggestions to make? No, I have no suggestions to make. I have a fact to state. If you don't profit at once, your life's not worth death. I'm afraid, Professor, that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting more important business. If you'll excuse me a moment while I get my pipe off the mantelpiece. here. I came here this evening, Mr. Holmes... To see if peace could not be arranged between us. Mm, quite so, quite so. You've seen fit not only to reject my proposals, but to make insulting references coupled with threats of the rest. You've been warned of your danger. You don't heed that warning. Perhaps you'll heed this. Well, up your hands, Mr. Holmes. with was overhead. Didn't imagine I'd leave that gun loaded, did you, Professor and Here are your cartridges. I didn't suppose you'd want to use that gun again, so I took them out while you were talking. Put them in my pocket. You'll find them all there, Professor. Billy! Yes, sir? Can you please show Professor at the door? Yes, sir. This way, sir. Don't ever say I didn't warn you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, no. No, Professor Moyarty. No. I never will. Billy, come in. Yes, sir. Billy? Billy, really you're a good boy. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You are listening to the Columbia Broadcasting System's presentation of Austin Wells and the Mercury Theatre on the Air in Sherlock Holmes. With Orson Welles in the title role and Ray Collins as Dr. Watson. We pause a moment for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. We continue now with this CBS presentation of Sherlock Holmes, played by Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air. It was exactly nine o'clock when Sherlock Holmes left the house in Baker Street. He had given the strictest instructions that no one was to follow him. If there had been no word from him by noon of the following day, he must notify Scotland Yard. I went to the window and looked after him as he went down Baker Street. A tall, thin figure in a gray ulster, walking with long, smooth steps in the direction of Langham Place. There he entered a cab. What are you doing? Light matches here? That's what I'm doing. And chuck it. Watch should I chuck it? There might be gas, you fool. ain't right, no gas. It's been to days since we had gas in the room. And I still say there might be gas. Did you check it? Well, I will. Here goes. Ready? Give me a turn. That'll do. Turn it off. Five minutes of that. All your troubles are in. Here. What's that? Classic. That's right, Reagan.
1: But you nearly here, yes,
0: sir? Can I take it yes, here, sir. Be careful now, you boys. You've got a one tonight. We dead who, as I've heard. Sherlock Holmes. Oh. You mean that, sir? God's truth. He's going to count him out. Well, if you don't and he gets away, I'm sorry for you, that's all. Right. Jack, the governor's here. not the governor himself. Professor Moyart shut up. Sir. Yes, sir? Got your full crew? All here, sir. No mistakes tonight, Quagan. Well, I'll be careful of that, sir. This is Larrabee. Hello. He's in on this job. Hello, Larrabee. Oh. What's that door, Blassey? Small cabin, sir. Then outlet. Then whatever, sir. That window? Nail down, sir. Then they break the glass? If he, if he did, he'd come up against a heavy iron bar outside. <laughs> we'll have him tied down before he can break any glass, sir. Ah, you've used it before, eh? Of course, you know it's airtight. Every crevice is sealed, sir. When the men have turned the gas on him, they leave by this door? Yes, sir. We made made quite secure. Heavy bolts on the outside, sir. Solid oak bars overall. You see how quick you can operate them. They tie a man down, sir. There's no need to hurry. Let me see how quick you can operate them. Lily? Yes, sir. That's good. Open it up. Okay, and the rest of you. One thing remember. Whatever happens, no shooting tonight, not a single shot. can will be heard in the alley below first thing is to get his revolver away before he has a chance to use it. Two of you attract his attention in front. The other come up on him from behind and snack it out of his pocket. Then you have him. Ranger Cregan. I'll attend to it, sir. Mr. Larrabee, you understand? We wait for you. I understand, sir. I give you this opportunity to sell him the packet of letters you forged and get what you can to your trouble. A few hundred pounds doesn't interest me, Mr. Larrabee. But I must tell his home. I understand, sir. When you finished and got your money, you whistle, and these gentlemen, come in. Let's hear it. You hear that, Cregan? That's right. And, Cregan, the proper moment, present my compliments, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, and say that I wished him a pleasant journey to the other side. <laughs> come on, basic. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Good night, Good night, sir. All right, boys. Clear. When you hear the whistle, in you come. Right you are, sir. Larry. Yes, sir. You get down on the corner below. Let me know when he comes. Will I will let you know. Well, when you see him driving up, come down the alley and whistle three times. Very good, sir. Here. What's this? Ah! How did you get here? What are you doing there in the go. Hey. What is it, Larry? A here in the past. Bring her in. Come on, you. Come on. Oh. come on. Oh, it's you, Miss Faulkner. It's true, then. How did you get to this place? I followed you in a cab. What have you been doing since I came up here? Informing the police, perhaps? No. I was afraid he'd come, so I waited. To warn him, I suppose. No. To warn him, yes. You're going to swindle and deceive him, sell him a packet of false letters. I know them. What else are you going to do to him? Wouldn't you like to know? Where are those men who came up here? What men? Three terrible-looking men. I saw them go in as the street door. You don't mean these men, do you, Miss Fortner? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on! That's him. There he is now. What? Holmes? That's him. That's the signal. He won't have time to get her out. Put her in there in the cupboard. Yeah, that'll do In with her. Into the cupboard. Hey, bring the lock to the cupboard. You are what? I'll something in there. Yeah. Here, this knife. Yeah. This will hurt. That'll hold her. Now, now, quick. Quick. Good evening, Mr. Holmes. Ah, Mr. Latterby. <laughs> now, really, I certainly thought after all this driving about in a closed cab, you'd show me something new. Uh, seen it before, have you, Mr. Holmes? Oh, well, a time or two. How to come to think of it, I nabbed a friend of yours in this place while he was trying to drop himself out of the window. Ed Colvin, the cracksman. Colvin Colvin never heard of him before. Well, you certainly never heard of him after. I'm sure of that. Brace of Conniffin has used these luxurious chambers in the spring of eighty-nine. Well, hidden in that cupboard, we pulled him out to the heels. Quite interesting. But times have changed since then. Ah, uh, so they have, Mr. Larrabee. So they have. But then it was only cracksmen, counterfeiters, pickpockets, and petty swindlers, various kinds. But now. Well, what now? Well, between you and me, Mr. Larrabee, we've heard some not altogether agreeable rumours. Rumours of some pretty shady work not far from here. Murder to a very peculiar kind. I've always had a suspicion. That's it. My surmise was correct. It is. It is what? This room is cork sealed. What does that signify to us? Nothing to us, Mr. Larrabee, nothing to us. But it might signify a good deal to some poor devil who's been caught and gassed in this trap. Well, if it's nothing to us, suppose we leave it alone and get the business. My time is limited. Yeah, of course. I should have realised that these reflections could not possibly appeal to you. Well, have a cigar, Mr. Holmes. Oh, thanks. Well, good cigar, this, Mr. Larrabee. Anyone have Glad you like it. Now, here is the little packet of letters which is the object of this meeting. I haven't opened it yet, but Miss Faulkner tells me everything is there. Now, I suppose, Mr. Larrabee, that as Miss Faulkner knows nothing about this affair, we omit her name from the discussion. What do you mean? Who told you she doesn't know? You did. Every look, tone, gesture, everything you've said and done since I've been in this room has informed me that Miss Faulkner has never consented to this transaction. It is a little speculation of your own. Oh, well, I suppose you think you can read me like a book. Oh, no, no, like a primer. Well, let it pass. How much will you give? Uh, a thousand pounds. I couldn't take it. Uh, what do you ask? Five thousand. I couldn't give it. Why aren't you offered four thousand for this little Why ticket? didn't you take it? Because I intended to get more. Oh, that's too bad. If they offered four thousand, they'll give five. They won't give anything. Why not? They've turned the case over to me. Oh. Uh, will you give three thousand? Mr. Larravee, strange that it may appear, my time is limited as well as yours. I have brought with me the sum of one thousand pounds, which is all that I wish to pay. If it is your desire to sell at this figure, kindly surprise me of the fact at once. If not. Permit me to wish you a very good evening. Well, we can have it. It's too small a matter to haggle over. Give me the money. Uh, certainly. Ah. Oh, I thought you said you'd only brought just a thousand. I did. This is it. You brought a trifle more, I say. Uh, quite so. I didn't say I hadn't brought any more. Well, you can do your little tricks when it comes to it, can't you? Yeah, it depends on who I'm dealing with. Yeah. You give me that money. Come on, take. Hand it over. <laughs> ah! Now. I've got you. I want you, James Larrabee. You've been so cunning and so cautious and so wise. We couldn't find a thing to hold you for, but this little slip will get you in for robbery. Uh, You'll have me in, will you? What are your views about being able to get away from here yourself? I do not anticipate any particular difficulty. Uh, Robbery, eh? Why, even if you got away from here, you haven't got a witness. You haven't got a witness to your name. I'm not so sure of that, Mr. Larrabee. I'm so sure of that. You usually fasten this cupboard door with a knife. Come, Come away my door. Faulkner. Oh. Stand back. Oh, Contemptible scoundrel. What does this mean? I'll show you what it means. Pass it quick. I'm afraid you are badly hurt Miss Faulkner. Mr. Holmes, Follow You came. Here, What is that there, boy. I'll uh, have to ask you gentlemen to wait just one moment, please. Here there. What's the idea of sitting down and writing? What are you writing? writing your will, I thought. No, no, only uh, a brief description of one or two of your gentlemen, the police. Wait a bit. You better listen to me, Mr. Holmes. We're going to tie you down nice and tight to the top of that table. Why, you'll surprise me, gentlemen, thinking you're sure, sure of anybody in this room. And three bars gone out of that window. Bars on no bars. You're not going to get out of here They're as easy as you expect. There are so many ways, Mr. Larrabee, that I hardly know which one to choose. Hey, well, you better choose quick, I can tell you that. I'll choose at once, Mr. Cragan. And my choice falls on this chair. Oh, my God.
1: Oh my God. Well, I should get away from the girl. Look out. There he goes! Look at his cigar. Look at the cigar. Look out. He's got a
0: little window. He's got a little leg. He's got it out. Look at his cigar. He's quick. After him, let him go. He's out. By the window! No, gentlemen, no, not by the window. I'm leaving by the door. Uh, by the way, I left my cigar for you on the windowsill. Good evening, gentlemen. There was no news of Holmes that night. And Billy reported next morning that he had not breakfasted at home. I had a busy morning at my office in Harley Street... It was after 11 before the last of my appointments was over. And still no news of Holmes. Did you uh, ring Dr. Watson? Oh, Parsons. Is there anyone waiting? I have to be in Baker Street at noon. There's one person in the waiting room, Doctor. A lady, sir, and she wants to see you most particular. Hey, what about? She didn't say so, only she said it was of the most importance to her if you would see her. Sir. Oh, very well, I'll see her. And call a cab for me at the same time and have it wait. Show the lady in. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, This way, ma'am. This way. Ah, doctor, it's awfully good of you to see me. I'm Mrs. H. DeWitt Seaton. Dear me, I didn't bring my card case. Well, if I did, I'd lost it. Don't trouble about a card, Mrs. Seaton. They said you were Mr. Holmes's friend. Several people told me that. There's several. They advised me to ask you where I could find him today, this morning. And everything depends on it, Doctor. Everything. I'd go to Mr. Holmes at once, Oh, I've been. I've been. He wasn't there. He went to Mr. Holmes' house. Yes, in Baker Street. That's why I came to you. They said he might be here. No, he isn't here. But don't you expect him this morning? No, there's no possibility of Mr. Holmes coming, as far as I know. But couldn't you get him to come? It would be such a great favor to me. I'm almost out was going about him with this dreadful anxiety. If you could get word to Mr. Holmes, I can't... could not get him to come, madam, and I beg you to excuse me. I'm going out myself on urgent business. I have no idea where Mr. Holmes could okay. be. i That like a sir. Yeah. Probably nothing more than a broken down hansom. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the bell, sir. Somebody's out, sir, and they're wanting you. Well, don't allow anybody to come in. I have no more time. Very well, sir. But they're coming in, Doctor. Yes, sir. I have to bring him in. There ain't nowhere else for him to go. Congo the doctor drop his business and he can't come in when he's hurt. The doctors can't see anybody. He's got to come in. He can't leave Matt in the street, Kevin. All right, help him in, partner. Oh, doctor, Miss not frightful? Can I be of some use? No, whatever, no, whatever. The doctor I must see the poor fellow. Oh, my leg, my leg. Uh, right this way, sir. Be careful of the zoo, sir. Uh, so that's it. The accident. Oh. You can't help the hexident Oh, you can't. That's plain <laughs> enough. He was on the wrong side of the street, he was. Now, over to the street. No, no, I'll sit here. No, 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 this is the chair, sir. Uh, don't you suppose I know where I want to sit down? You'll sit down here. That isn't the doctor. Uh, the doctor will have a look at you. Here's the doctor. Uh, that isn't the doctor. Yes, it is a doctor. Here, doctor. You uh. just come and have a look at this old bloke, will you? He's hurt himself a little, then. Uh, uh, are you a cabman? Yes, I'm the cabman. Well, I'll have you arrested for this. Arrested? Arrested, arrested, arrested. You can arrest me. No, I can't, but somebody else can. Where's my hat? Where's my hat? My hat! My hat! Never mind your hat. I uh, will mind my hat. I'll oh. hold you responsible. There's your hat in your hand. Go on, sit in. That isn't my hat. Here, yeah. yeah. you're responsible. I'll have you arrested here. Yeah, yeah. Come back. I'm going to stick around here. Yeah, you know, I've got to go to the tent oh. Bring your horse in here. I want to speak to him. I... Uh, conspiracy. I won't stay in this place. If I ever get out of here alive... What are you staring at me for, lady? Watson, sell that cab to wait for me. I must Uh, see if he's badly hurt. uh, Yes, Uh sir. Now, my friend, if you sit quiet for one moment, I'll have a look at you. Uh, Well, stay still, will you? Well, how can uh, I... Remarkable, remarkable weather we're having. Hey, Doctor? Holmes! What on earth? How about having me remove some of this ridiculous disguise, Watson? Holmes! Is that you? Uh, quite so, my dear fellow, quite so. Holmes! Watson. Watson, Only get out that window? Look out the blinds! What do you want me to do? Nothing! It's already been done by Mrs. Larrabee here. Look out, Holmes. She can get out that way. No, I don't think so, Watson. Foreman! I got it, sir. Good work, Foreman. I'll take the in charge. Yes, sir. Very good, Foreman. Wait for me outside. Yes, sir. Oh, Watson, my dear fellow, I regret to say that up to the present time... Professor Moriarty himself has not risen to the bait. Where do you think he is? In the open streets under some clever disguise. Watching for a chance to get it. And was this woman sent in here... Quite with... so, quite so. A spy. To let them know by some signal if she found me in the house. Now they know. Pull down that blind box and I don't care to be shot at from the street. I imagine we shall hear from Professor Moriarty very soon now. Mr. Holmes! Mr. Holmes! What did I tell you? He's come, sir. From where? The house across the street. He was in there watching these windows. He must have seen something, for he's just come out. There was a cab waiting in front of this house, sir, and he's climbed up and changed places with the driver. Get out again quick, Billy, and keep your eye on him. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Watson, if you let really me have a rather heavy portmanteau for a few moments, I won't do it any harm. Parsons. My large gladstone over there in the corner. Bring it here, please. Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Here sir. Here's the portmanteau. Uh, thank you, Parsons. Put it down there. Mm. Thank you so much, uh, Parsons, you ordered a cab to the doctor a short time ago. It's been waiting, I believe. Yes, sir, I think it has, sir. be so good as to tell the driver to come in here and get a release. He comes, tell him, that's the one. Uh, very good, sir. My right. dear Watson, times like these you should tell your man never to take the first cab that comes on call, nor yet the second. The third may be safe. But Holmes, I... Oh, I am Cappy, right, Cappy. Yes, yes, Cappy, if I write him this way... Ah, this bag... I want taking down. Uh, the uh, all right, you uh, have next. All right. Goodbye, Watson. Bye, Watson, old fellow. Uh, wait a minute, driver. Pretty heavy, I'm afraid. Let me help you. Uh, the Watson. I write to you from Budapest. Yes, yes. But uh, oh. here, driver. Let me tighten up these straps a bit. Here we are. That's right. I'll uh, hold it, driver. You you pull the straps. A few little things in this bag that I wouldn't like to lose. aren't you, And it's just as well to make quite sure. Is it not, Professor Moriarty? By means of a simple pair of handcuffs. Blast you, Holmes! You imagine Sherlock Holmes that this is the end? I ventured to dream that it might be. Are you quite sure the police will be able to hold me? Professor Moriarty, I'm quite sure of nothing. Take him away, foreman. my dear Watson ends the strange case of Miss Alice Faulkner. Well, what about the letters? Oh, the letters. They were returned to their rightful owner over an hour ago. I suspected from the start that Miss Faulkner was really a nice girl at heart. yet,
1: uh,
0: oh, What is it all, Mr. I was just reflecting, my dear Watson. With Moriarty out of the way, London, from the point of view of the criminal expert, it's likely to become a singularly uninteresting city. One's morning paper, a veritable wilderness of boredom. Holmes! Mr. Holmes! Yes, Billy? It's a lady, sir. Been waiting for an hour. Says she's got to see you, sir. Case of murder, she says. She's got a face there. Very... From which I deduce that she is a lady of over 41 and less than 45. Of a strange, dark beauty and considerable social eminence. And that she has lived for some years in the Near East. And that she is now wearing a large blood ruby on the second finger of her left hand. Holmes! How do you know these things? It's amazing! Huh. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. The child's play of deduction. Again tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System, through its affiliated stations coast to coast, has brought you Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air, the 12th production in this unique series featuring Broadway's and radio's most celebrated theatrical producing company. This evening, the play was Orson Welles' own adaptation of William Gillette's Sherlock Holmes. In the cast, Dr. Watson played by Ray Collins, Alice Faulkner by Mary Taylor, Madge Larrabee by Brenda Forbes, James Larrabee by Edgar Barrier, Inspector Foreman by Morgan Farley, Cragen by Richard Wilson, Brassic by Alfred Shirley, Larry by William Allen, Billy by Arthur Anderson, Professor Moriarty by Eustace Wyatt, and Sherlock Holmes by Orson Welles. The orchestra was conducted by Bernard Herman, and the production was supervised for CBS by Davidson Taylor. Your announcer is Frank Gallup. <laughs> the evening at the same time, another classic narrative dramatized by Orson Welles. Join us then for Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, brought to life by the Mercury Theater on the air. Columbia continues its extensive coverage of the European crisis. At this this time, we present a brief summary of the latest developments of the day on the European continent, as brought to us by the Press Radio Bureau. No more concessions to Adolf Hitler. That is the understanding which has passed through the nations of Europe tonight following the meeting of the British and French government heads and the further meeting of the British cabinet. The United States learns on high authority that the French and British conferees have agreed not to ask Czechoslovakia to go further than the original French-British proposal, which was adopted one week ago tonight. In the meantime, according to reliable reports, the new government of Czechoslovakia has definitely rejected the Hitler memorandum, which was transmitted to Prague by British Prime Minister Chamberlain without recommendations. The text of Czechoslovakia's answer to the memorandum which required evacuation of the Sudeten areas by October 1st has not yet been issued. But the memorandum which Chamberlain submitted was given out earlier today. The French and British statesmen will resume their joint conference in London at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning London time, which will be 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in America. At that time, it is understood they will have before them the full text of Czechoslovakia's answer, which has already been communicated to them in substance by the Czech minister Jan Mazarek. And at the same time, they will confer on a joint plan of war operations to be put into effect on the instant that Hitler decides to invade Czechoslovakia. It is not certain that Hitler will make this decision, even if Czechoslovakia closes the door to further negotiations. Hitler's attitude may not be known until tomorrow evening in Berlin, when the German leader is to address a great mass meeting in the sports palace. The entire German nation has been instructed by the Nazi propaganda department to listen to this address. Hitler is due to speak at 8 o'clock Berlin time, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon Eastern Standard Time, which will be broadcast by the Columbia Network. In the meantime, German troops are pouring through German Austria toward the Czech frontier, and in the Sudeten borderland, the Sudeten Pre Corps troops now occupying the town of Asch have moved closer to the positions of the Czech army. Refugees from Czechoslovakia are streaming across the border into Germany. These are mostly Germans, but one group of refugees were Americans from Prague who had expected to take a train from the city of Eger into Germany. And here is still later word from London. The Czechoslovakian answer to the Hitler Memorandum is a memorandum to the British government and not to Hitler. The Czechs take the position that no formal reply to Hitler is required since the Hitler Memorandum was not addressed to the Czech government, but was merely handed by Hitler to Chamberlain for delivery to the Czechs. In the same way, it is expe- expectation of Czechoslovakia, according to the United Press, that Chamberlain will transmit a memorandum from the Czechs to Hitler. We wish to call your attention that at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over most of these stations, Columbia will again present another European roundup from Paris, London, and again from Prague. Also at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the feature news program headlines and bylines will be heard. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.